those rambling Rob using his white person voice. <laughs> Hello, rambling Rob. This is Rob Phillip. Well, wait, I don't want to use my last name. Well, they know what my last name is. They know what it is. This is Rob from the Two Bobs podcast here with Robert Kilimowski. Yeah, we're we're just doing our crazy news here, and we we've had a couple of beers like you told us to do. We figured we'd give you a call and <laughs> see what you were up to. Now, since he uses a white person voice, as he as he stated to us, by the way, in the third voicemail, and, I didn't I didn't yeah. play. He did say that sometimes when you're talking to people, you gotta you gotta use your white man voice. Kind of like you're in an interview or something, I think, was his exact, uh, uh... Would it be inappropriate if I use a black person voice then? <laughs> probably. When I'm leaving a voicemail? <laughs> no, probably. I won't do that. No, we shouldn't. But, you know, we've, we've appreciated your voicemail. You've, you've left us some good ones. I'm glad that the wind has finally died down and it's this last batch that you, you left us. And you, you're actually in the car versus walking to your car. So it's probably a little bit safer there. Down there in the mean streets of Houston. Did you know that the nation's two worst presidents, not including Donald Trump, were from Texas, including George Bush, Lyndon B. Johnson, was also from Texas. Is he the one that killed Kennedy? He's the one that killed John Wilkes Booth. Oh, right. Shit. I I never went to geography class, so I wouldn't know. Yeah, they were they were seeing the they were seeing uh, Hamilton uh, in Manhattan. Over right there is the AMC. <laughs> we're we're good at history. Ha ha, salutations, motherfuckers. Ha ha, motherfuckers. Ha ha, That's the best I can do. <laughs> as close as we could get it. Well, yeah, Robert, Texas. <laughs> I know people are crazy. Well, we're just finishing up our episode, so we didn't get only uh, a matter. Time till they secede from the union. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> but if they, if they do, if you end up washing out in the ocean, or is that California? Which one's washing out in the ocean? Is that Texas? I think it's California. Yeah, Texas doesn't it doesn't have all that much water. It's our, it's kind of attached at the bottom too, isn't it? I mean, this like well, he's in Houston, and Houston's never mind. I can't water there. I can't make Houston jokes. Yeah, yeah, no, it's too soon. That's too soon. All right. Well, is that episode sixty-three? Are we still Are we still leaving a voicemail? Yeah, we're leaving the voicemail. We're going to finish up our show. <laughs> is that episode sixty-three? It better be. All right. Well, like if, if you're like Rob and you want to leave us a voicemail, five three zero eight eight two Bob's, which is five three zero eight eight two two. You are now listening to Random Ramblings. Yay! Yeah! What up, everybody? This is your boy B Rob, and I am back with another edition. Of the Random Rounds with Rob podcast edition, if you will. I'd like to thank you for coming back. If you're a long-time listener or semi-long-time listener, I appreciate you very much for taking your time out of your day, evening, morning, noon, whatever time to listen to the show. If you're a new listener, I appreciate you very much for giving my show a try. And 
if you like professional wrestling, you're in for a treat because that's what we're going to talk about today because we are actually recording on a Sunday, the day that I release new episodes. And uh, we're a couple hours out from the WWE Backlash pay-per-view, so I'll give you a, a couple of predictions on that. But um, as always, for the most part, I have a guest with me today. He is um, a friend of the show, a contributor, which I appreciate also very much. Um, I like to pick his brain when it comes to the financial sides of uh, professional wrestling, WWE in particular. And um, my guest returning this evening, your, well, I said this evening, this morning, is your highness, his royalty, King Ajar. Hey, thanks. Uh, glad to be here. And also, you need to point out that I am a Patreon supporter of your show as well. Yeah, that's what I said. But I just didn't say it as uh, directly as you did. <laughs> no, I, I just want to say because I think that everybody who listens to your podcast or um, you know, anybody who's out there who has ever tried to start their own business, it's something that um, I did you know, 10, 12 years ago with my sister, it's it's very different now. And I would just say you should always support up-and-coming folks of any creative outlet, podcasts, YouTube shows, whatever. I'm all for, you know, supporting as many people as I can and as many people as I can help with, with whatever money I can give is, is important. But, you know, I appreciate the, uh, the highness, introduction but after watching LeBron last night I think he's the king and I'm just gonna leave it at that as a long suffering Toronto Raptors fan. That was painful. Awesome. Um, so I mean, know, yeah. <laughs> I mean I I'm not so much keeping up with the playoffs per se. I'm kinda tracking the Pelicans because you know I'm from Louisiana and I support all Louisiana teams. I know they're getting spanked right now, but still. Um so LeBron and them put a whipping on Toronto? Yeah, so before I, I talk about that, your Pelicans actually whipped Golden State last game by 20 points and should have won game two, should be up in the series two games to one. So I wouldn't say the Warriors are out of it yet. In fact, I think the Pelicans are going to make this a very compelling series. But getting back to so any long-standing Toronto Raptors fan like myself, I've been a fan since 95. That's when the team was first uh given its franchise. I was a season ticket holder from 1998 to 2002 with three of my college friends. I saw every significant Vince Carter dunk in that time. And, you know, when I moved to the States, I I was always follow the Raptors, but that I was a Laker fan. Anyway, so the last three years have been kind of a renaissance for the Raptors. They've made the playoffs. They've won a playoff series. They've actually even this year got the number one seed and won more games than the Golden State Warriors. They won 59 games. Mm-hmm. That being said, LeBron owns the city. He owns Toronto. He owns their soul. And for whatever reason, when these guys see him, they all wilt under pressure. And game one, we were up by double digits. We lost in overtime. Game two, LeBron just, he just destroyed us. I mean, he was just unbelievable 40 points he just killed us last night we were down by double digits we came all the way back tied it with eight seconds to go LeBron just says all right give me the ball we gonna go coast to coast off balance right hand fading away left off the glass game over three zero three zero Cavs getting ready to sweep the Raptors on Monday he just owns Toronto um and I'll tell a little story before I get into the wrestling stuff 
I was at a game, and my date might be wrong. If anybody hears this and says, no, that happened in 2005, I don't remember. But it was either 2004, 2005. I was at a game, one of my last drafters game I ever attended because I wanted to see LeBron play. He was having just an awful game. I mean, he was just terrible. And Chris Bosch, who ended up becoming his teammate afterwards, obviously, his wife, or at the time his girlfriend, was heckling LeBron. Like, they were literally talking trash to him. And LeBron said, all right, watch this. And in the second half, he literally scored like 41 points, ended up with like 50, killed us. And from that point on, he's just driven a stake through Toronto's heart. Like, they they renamed the city LeBronto because that's how much he owns the city of Toronto. So, yeah, uh, LeBron's LeBron. He's one of the, you know, three or four best players ever, no matter what your list is. And I know I used to be on, on, on the show with you where – one of the co-hosts used to sit there and say LeBron was the most overrated player ever. And anybody who knows anything about basketball knows LeBron is not only not overrated, he's actually one of the few child prodigies that lived up to the hype. But anyway, so that's my NBA take. Uh, your Pelicans are looking really good, actually. Rondo, Anthony Davis, they're tremendous together. Drew Holiday, Pelicans are good. They're going to make the Warriors fight for this series. So. That's my NBA. Yeah, I just I just really wish Cousins was um one hundred percent. I think they would have a they're playing they're they're playing better without him. What? They're playing better. I mean I, no no don't remember. Demarcus Cousins is one of the best players in the league. I love Boogie Cousins. But with the way Rajon Rondo and Davis work the two man pick and roll, they're devastating. And Drew Holiday has just become an elite two way player and some of these other guys, Thomas you know, Clark, they're they're hitting big shots. Man, Ray Ray John Rondo looks like two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten Boston Celtics Rondo. I mean he's he was hit twenty one assists. And to put that in perspective, only three players in the history of the NBA have had more than one twenty assist playoff game. Here's your list. Magic Johnson, John Stockton, Ray John Rondo. That's it. That's your list. You mentioned um and Rondo you mentioned Vince Carter before. Um, where do you think yeah. he sits as far as, um, you know, the annals of NBA history? I think he's a first Hall of Famer. I think he's the best dunker ever. I think Vince Carter's legacy will be that of someone who really opened basketball up to Toronto and the country of Canada. There's a great documentary um, on LeBron's social media platform called Uninterrupted, and it's called The Carter Effect. And, and I'm plugging this because I know people who are in the documentary who are interviewed, so I want to plug it. It talks about what Vince Carter did for basketball in Canada, which is where I think his legacy is going to far exceed his playing legacy. Canada and Toronto is a hockey town. Always has been, always will be. But the Blue Jays had their big time. They won the World Series. The Raptors were seen as just the basketball team that the Raptors, um, that the Maple Leafs owned. And when Vince came, he took a city that didn't know anything about basketball and made it a basketball town. And so you have players like Tristan Thompson. Mm-hmm. You have players like Corey Joseph. You have players like Anthony, Andrew Wiggins. Sorry, I said Andrew Wiggins, Anthony Bennett, a group of Canadian NBA stars who only wanted to play basketball because of Vince Carter. That's his legacy. As an all-time great, I mean, he's in the top 75, 
100 players of all time. I think that he didn't love the game the way like a Kobe Bryant or a a LeBron James or a Dwayne Wade even loved it. But athletically and gift-wise, he had everything you could ask for. He was, he had big hands. He could jump out of the gym. He was athletic. He was, you know, I mean, he was physical. I mean, he could do everything. I just didn't think he cared enough about basketball to work as hard at the craft as like a Kobe. He had more natural God-given ability than Kobe. He just didn't have the work ethic. So yeah. that's where I think Vince is. Yeah. Because, I mean, like when I, when I think of Vince Carter, I mean, I automatically think Toronto. I know he played what for the Timberwolves and Dallas or some shit like that. I, I know played Dallas for, for sure. Not for the Nets. Yeah, the Nets. Nets. Played for the Nets. Mm-hmm. Then he played for Orlando. Mm-hmm. Then he played for Dallas. Mm-hmm. Then he played for Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Um, then he played for Memphis. So he's played everywhere. But he was—he's going to be known as the guy who had the purple dinosaur yeah. on his jersey, right? Because the Raptors had the number one selling jersey and Vince Carter was more popular from 1999 to 2003 than Kobe, Al Iverson, Shaq. You know, people forget he let the all-star game in voting every year. He was the best, he had the best jersey sales. He was the hottest ticket in, in, in basketball. And the problem is with Vince, he got, he didn't know how to handle all the success and expectations. And you know what? It happens. I mean, there's a lot of athletes who probably go back and say, man, I could have worked a little bit harder. I would have been better. But I mean, Vince's legacy is he opened basketball up to a whole country. That's a pretty good legacy to leave. Yeah. And I agree. Um, as far as current day superstars and everything, obviously you keep a little more track of the NBA than I do. Who do you think falls into that Vince Carter category? I mean, not specifically toward Toronto, but anywhere else. And then, you know, that standout player that uh, drives other people who wants to be, you know, an NBA player. I think LeBron is, I think LeBron is, like, I think LeBron is going to be the guy who you're going to have a generation of fans who don't know anything about Michael Jordan. Yeah. But they grew up and they're Michael Jordan and LeBron James. I mean, this is a guy who in his 15th year is putting up ridiculous numbers and carrying in essence, a bunch of B B minus players to maybe the finals again. I think LeBron James, I think Steph Curry, I think there's going to be a generation of NBA players who shoot threes just because of Steph Curry. Like you're going to have the smaller slight point guard, like the six foot two guy who's 150 pounds is like, I could just shoot threes all day because Steph Curry does it. Um, I don't think you're going to have too many guys want to be like Kevin Durant because he's unique. He's seven one. He has a dribble like a point guard. He can shoot like Steph Curry. You just don't find that every day in a walk of life. And, and same with LeBron. Like LeBron is a freak of athletic nature. I mean, six nine runs faster than most point guards, dribbles like magic, passes like magic, scores like Jordan, rebounds like Bird. I mean, it's kind of unheard of given his package. I think Steph Curry's going to be the guy who influences a lot of younger kids yeah. in in the way of shooting threes. Like, because Steph, everybody shoots, like, and here's my analogy. So the NFL is the most popular sport in, the, in America. We know that. Mm-hmm. But everybody growing up had a basketball hoop on their driveway and everybody wants to shoot, but you can't dunk. None of us can pass like LeBron. 
so everybody can shoot a basketball. Steph Curry has made that into a show, shooting the basketball. So I think there's going to be a lot of kids who just want to be like Steph Curry. So Steph Curry's my answer. Yeah, I mean, and he's just like an anomaly, man. I mean, motherfucker shooting from the tunnel for warm-ups, shooting from half court <laughs> for warm-ups and everything. I mean, he's just... You know, a once-in-a-lifetime player, in my opinion. I'm going to tell you a funny Steph Curry story. Tell me. When I was a Raptors season, well, when I was a Raptors season ticket holder, Steph Curry's dad, Del Curry, played for the Raptors. Yes, I remember. He was one of our better players on those playoff Raptor teams. Well, there used to be this little light-skinned kid who would be at the gym during pregame warm-ups who would just be shooting threes from all over the court with Steph Curry. So I used to see Steph Curry because you know, and I'm not disrespecting him or his mom is really attractive, Steph mm-hmm. Curry. So back then, his mom used to sit on the same section of the court that my season tickets were on, and we'd be like, "Oh my goodness, look at Del Curry's wife!" Whew, like, yo, she's wow. And Steph Curry would be the little kid who was like the ball boy who would just be, he was like the halftime entertainment or the pregame entertainment. Like he would just shoot threes from everywhere. We're like, man, who's that? And they're like, oh, that's Del Curry Southern. Like, holy shit, this kid's good. Long story short, he took an eighth grade private school team in Toronto to its only city championship because he was on a kid with literally like 11 white kids. But he could just shoot from anywhere on the court. He won the title at the eighth grade in Toronto. So, Steph Curry actually has a Toronto tie, and his wife is from Toronto, Aisha Curry. Many people don't know that, but yeah. So Steph Curry has a link to Toronto basketball as well, and he was also influenced by Vince Carter mm-hmm. because he got to see Vince Carter up close as a kid every game. Yeah, and that's crazy to think. I mean, Vince Carter is still playing while he's playing. Mm-hmm. That's a guy that he mm-hmm. grew up watching, you know. <laughs> And, and that's the thing that people don't realize about LeBron. One of his lifelong goals is to play with his son. So LeBron's 33. His son will be in the NBA in the next five years. LeBron's going to play until he can play with his son. That's going to happen. Like, LeBron's going to be on a team with his son because he wants to play basketball with his son. Yeah, and the only thing so, that I can think of um, that's kind of like that, you know, that's in my memory or whatever is – um. When they Ken had Griffey. Ken, yeah, I was just about to say that. Ken Griffey Sr. and Ken Griffey Jr. Ken Griffey is one of LeBron's idols. Uh, he looked up to him growing up. And and one of LeBron's first Nike advisors was Ken Griffey. So it's not surprising that he wants to emulate him in that, in that context. So, yeah, so everybody got a bonus sports update from me. Yeah. <laughs> And, and you know, you mentioned Ken Griffey Jr. and Ken Griffey Sr. or whatever. I mean, when I was smaller, when I was younger, I played a little bit of baseball, you know, softball, you know, fast pitch and everything. And um, Ken Griffey Jr. and Ken Griffey Sr. was like the two baseball players that I could remember, you know, just like, oh, I like those guys a lot. <laughs> and Kirby Puckett for some odd reason. <laughs> Love Kirby I love Kirby Puckett, but he was a Minnesota twin and I was a Blue, I'm a Blue Jay fan and he killed the Blue Jays like in playoffs and in regular season games. But Kirby Puckett, I love because he was like, he just looked like the guy who like fixed your car, <laughs> but he would, he would bat like 350 and he would always get a clutch base. And I mean, he's a first out Hall of Famer. He was just a great baseball player. And it's like, he's like, that guy's that good? Yeah. Like, that guy can, like, it's like, wow, this guy, 
I mean, he's unbelievable. But yeah, I love baseball growing up. I think the problem with baseball is that the the time of the game is so long that from an attention span standpoint, it's tough to sit and watch a four and a half hour game. Yeah. On a, but then again, if we're wrestling fans, we exactly, should have yeah. complained because four and a half hours is actually kind of small. Uh, is uh, is okay compared to some of these WWE pay-per-views. I mean, but when you compare that to baseball, all right, you're looking at a four-hour wrestling show or whatever. I mean, there's moving parts the whole time. I mean, there's something yeah. going on all the yeah. time. Baseball is like pitch, strike, pitch, foul, yeah. pitch, ball. Or spit, go to the mound, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, like, I think that what I tell people all the time is in 20 years, I really believe this, that the NBA will be more popular than the NFL. That's my prediction in 20 years. So in 2038, the NBA will be the biggest sport in America. That's my prediction. Yeah, I mean, and it kind of, I think they'll stand a chance um, more financial-wise because, I mean, they do more with the sponsors and everything. They allow sponsors on their jerseys and all kinds of stuff like that, so... I think that would help in the long run. And I also think it's because, Rob, there's a generation, like I know you have kids, but there's a generation of kids who their first love is basketball. Mm-hmm. And now that's the second generation. Because like my generation, I thought was the first generation that maybe basketball was our favorite sport mm-hmm. more than football. So my kids and my friends' kids, their whole, their whole world revolves around the NBA, not the NFL. And I think that if that generation grows and gets in power and has the money and becomes, you know, as you said, running corporate America, you're going to see a shift. I also think the concussion stuff in the NFL is real. And if you have mothers, like the movie Concussion said, saying, you know what, I don't want my kids playing football. All the great athletes are going to play basketball. Now, do I think football will die? No, I no. don't. I think football will still be always very, very popular because the gambling, the violence, and, and the way it's set up. It's like the one thing I've learned about football since moving to the United States is that it's the one thing on Sundays that everybody has their team and everybody wants to watch their team play. Whereas the NBA is about the player. It's not about the team. Yeah. But the NFL is about the team. So. Yeah, and then, like, uh, supposedly they have those two new football leagues coming up here pretty soon. I, I, I think, <laughs> I think Vince, I just think, like, to me, um, if you're Vince McMahon and you're going to try to do that football league, get the NFL cooperation. Like, go to the NFL and say, look, I want to create a minor league football system where players are playing all year round. And there, it's like a developmental system for players who don't get drafted yeah. to the NFL or practice squad players. Like, we'll develop them and feed them to you so you don't always just have to go through the college ranks. You can get undrafted free agents who are available all the time and you'll have tape on them and they'll get coaching and they'll get, yeah. you know, techniques. It'll, I just think that Vince going about it to compete with the NFL, I just think that's a mistake. Yeah. It's like it, it could be like how you're saying it could be like the um, NXT of football. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like Vince McMahon is is an all time, you know, whether I like his booking or not, which I don't, but he's an all time business genius, and he has a lot of connections with the NFL. Jerry Jones among them, and he just says, "Look, you know, I want to be a feeder system to you guys, but." The thing that people have to give Vince McMahon credit for 
is he came up with a lot of camera techniques and shooting football that the NFL sold or borrowed yeah. or lifted from. And I think that's where Vince McMahon could really help the NFL marketing, you know, production value. Because, you know, the one thing about the WWE, man, they have tremendous production value. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They do. They produce a weekly show every week and it looks like the NBA Finals every Monday night. Yeah. And, and, and you, you know, know what I was thinking about yeah. that is just like, it could still be what you said. Because that, there's no doubt in my mind, like, if he gets this league off the ground and, you know, they have standout players anywhere, don't, don't think that damn the, the NFL wouldn't come in and try to poach some of that talent. You don't even have to poach. You should be a feeder system. Like, you should say, oh, the Dallas Cowboys need a left tackle. Well, guess what? We've got five of them who are in shape, know the know playbook, know how to play the, the game, and are ready to go. Like, I think that that's why the NBA is really focusing on the Gatorade developmental league because yeah. they want to control the minor leagues, right? With college, the players don't get paid. Mm-hmm. And in essence, they're they're like, I don't want to say the slaves bad word. I think, uh, in essence, I think under, athletes. Yeah, I think Under Armour does, does something similar, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. Like, the NXT idea is great because one thing Triple H has always said, and, and I read the book, the NXT book, on how it how it came to fruition, is you don't have the territory system anymore of wrestling. Whereas, you know, 25 years ago or 30 years ago or 40 years ago in wrestling, when a character got stale in North Carolina in Crockett, he'd go to WWE. You know, when you got sales in WWE, you can go to Texas. When you got sales in Texas, you can go to, you know, Oregon. When you got sales in Oregon, you can go to Montreal. Like, you could, you could always get a fresh audience. Yeah. Whereas now, you can't do that, you know, because it's the WWE. Now, you see there's Ring of Honor, there's New Japan, and there's all these indie promotions. But, like, without television, you can't really do that. Yeah. Because... You know, it's just not the same. And I do think that the NXT model has been great because you could make a case that NXT, I think so, is a better wrestling show than Raw or SmackDown. I think it's better. Yeah. I think the stories make more sense. And I think they know how to build stars. I think the problem is they build stars that we love and they get up to the main roster and it doesn't work the way we think it should work because of NXT. Correct. And then we really kind of hate Vince for that. Like, you know, like there are certain times where Vince has totally got it right and NXT got it wrong. Um, yeah. Uh, I'll give you two examples. Elias. Braun Strowman. Yeah. Okay. Elias is a good. So my two, like, oh my goodness, like how did the, and how did NXT drop the ball at Braun Strowman? He was at Rosebud. Yeah. And Alexa, and Alexa Bliss. Yeah. Two. Because Alexa Bliss has never had a takeover match. No. She never has one. Yet. She has been, for better or worse, the focus of one of the two women's divisions for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's had a WrestleMania one-on-one match, you know, before Bailey, Sasha, Becky, Naomi. So, you know, it's like Alexa is something that obviously saw something in her that even maybe Triple H didn't in NXT. Like Triple H might have said, well, you're not a good wrestler. But you're a great manager. You're a great talker. This mm-hmm. is what you are. 
at this is like, well, I don't really care if she can't wrestle because she can sell merchandise and she looks the part and she yeah. can talk. We're going to push her. But I think that most of the people we like in NXT, they don't come up and make the impact that we want. Like you could even say like a Nakamura mm-hmm. hasn't materialized on the main roster the way he should have yeah. been or Finn or Sasha or Becky yeah. or Bailey. But um, um, you could make a case. Oh, Sami Zayn or Kevin Owens. Yeah. Well, no, Kevin Owens has done really well. Yeah. Now, I mean, some of those names that you named off, um, with the recent turn of events with uh, Nakamura, what, how do you feel about him now? I think Nakamura is fantastic. I think he's the best thing going on SmackDown as a heel character, mm-hmm. and I think he needs to win the belt tonight. And then I will get to my predictions later, but I, like that's how you complete the heel turn. Yeah. He went dark. He has to cheat now because he couldn't win the quote-unquote big match. He lost to Jinder Mahal, people forget, and then yes. he lost to AJ. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. Like, that's the sto- that's the story, and I have to bring her up because I always do on your show, but that's the story I've always wanted them to tell the Tasha Banks, which is, okay, you can't really retain your title as a babyface, so you have to go dark, you have to find your boss character, and now you just cheat all the time to mm-hmm. retain your belt. A la Ellie Guerrero. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, you become this mean, nasty kind of version of yourself. But eventually that person will come back and become good. And when they do, then the fans will really get behind them. Because I honestly thought Nakamura, like Sasha Banks, like Finn Balor, like Roman Reigns, are all kind of stale as, yep. as baby faces. Like all four of them were the, 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 at one time or another, Nakamura, Finn Balor, Sasha Banks, or Roman Reigns as a part of the Shield were the hottest thing, like in yep. wrestling. Not yes. just in WWE. They were just, they were the person you talked about. And yet you fast forward that clock and what they've done with Nakamura is what they need to do with Finn Balor, what they need to do with Sasha Banks what they need to do with Roman Reigns. They need to take these four merchandise movers and quote-unquote poster faces of the companies and just say, you know what, forget the merchandise where we have Ronda Rousey, we have Charlotte, we have Alexa Bliss, or um, we have, you know, Peyton and Billy, we have um, uh, Daniel Bryan's back, we have AJ Styles, we have Seth Rollins. Mm-hmm. Just turn these guys heel because Obviously, Matt, and nobody likes Sasha Banks more than I Nobody. Well, maybe her husband, but that's debatable. <laughs> and Matt. <laughs> but, and Matt. But my issue, and I thought, I actually had this conversation with Matt, that why do I care about her and Bailey now? What is the point? Mm-hmm. Like, her and Bailey had the two best women's matches maybe of all time in, in WWE wise. And then they never touched again. For a long time, like they flashed with the main roster, they went to NXT, blah blah blah. They've had four law matches in a year and a half, and it was like, blah. why do I care? Yeah, why do blah. I care? And they're both they're both big faces in every match. That is just useless television, and I don't care. Like I told this to Matt, like I get it, the slow burn, the slow burn. You know what it feels like to me? They're confused. They don't know what to do with either of them, yeah. and. They're scared to turn Sasha because she sells a lot of merchandise, still a lot more than Bailey. But they kind of know Sasha's the much better heel, and that Bailey is a heel nobody would care for, regardless. 
So, you know, I don't know what they're doing. And, and, and like with Finn Balor, like what, what is his story? Like, okay, you lose every week. Where is this going to? Is he going to reunite with somebody? Is, is the Mr. Oz going to become the new club? Like, that's what I want to see with Sasha and Finn Balor, but I got it with Nakamura, so I'm very happy. Yeah. He needs to be a heel. He should win the title tonight. And I love it. I think he's the best thing about SmackDown. Him and Peyton and Billy. I love yeah, Peyton no, and Billy. Th- those two yeah. work very well together, but as far as um, talent, the standout talent, I think that's um, Peyton Royce. I think Peyton Royce is definitely the standout talent. I think if we're being honest with ourselves, neither of them are very good wrestlers. No. Um, they're okay. They're serviceable, but and I'm being consistent here, Rob, because I criticize Alexa Bliss and I criticize Carmella. They're not that great in the ring. No. Yet I watch Peyton and Billy. They're not that much better. Yeah. So they're great characters. They're great talkers. They look great, and I love all four of those women in terms of just their characters. Mm-hmm. But if we're really going to be honest. The reason all of us started to fall in love with women's wrestling again or cared about it or it got the Rolling Stone articles and the USA Today articles is because Sasha Bailey, Charlotte, and Becky could actually wrestle. Yeah. And they had matches that were better than the men. And let's be honest here. Alexa Bliss and Nia, they're not going to have a match that's going to be better than Seth Rollins and The Miz. They're just not going to. They're not capable of it. And I think in order for the WWE to get the women's revolution really to where it needs to. The women need to start putting on classic matches again. Like I watched uh, Riot and Sasha Monday night. That was a great match. Mm-hmm. That was a great match. That's what they need on pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. But the problem is you have how many good women workers, Sasha, Bailey, Becky, Charlotte, Nikki, Oscar. Mm-hmm. That's Ruby Riot. Maybe like, you have seven women who could wrestle, but then you have 25 women on the roster. Yeah. So you're going to get so, and the other problem is on the sector is all the good women wrestlers are on one team. <laughs> like like <laughs> yeah. Charlotte, Becky, Oscar, all wrestle as a team. So what's the point there? So I don't know. Um, I think that the WWE just has to give a heel champion on the women's side of the belt. Like, I, I'm very biased in what I'm about to say, but I think Akil Sasha on Raw is what the women's division needs. Not because she's just, she is a great heel, but she can get good matches out of everybody. Well, that's how you build baby faces. You make them look better than they're capable of looking like Ric Flair did or Eddie Guerrero did. I don't think Alexa Bliss can do that. No. She's not a good wrestler. So that's my two cents. But yeah, I love Nakamura. He's yeah. great. I love. I think you should call him the Nutcracker. <laughs> um, that's what you should call him. You know who else is doing very well, doing the heel persona very well? Tommaso Ciampa. He's the best heel in the, in the world. Yeah, he he's is. better than Cody Rhodes. And I thought Cody Rhodes was the best heel. But Tommaso Ciampa, I mean, Tommaso Ciampa is such a good heel. And, and here's why I say he's. He's even better. I thought in the last 10 years, the best heel character of anybody was, was Sasha Banks. I'm going to rephrase, I'm going to rechange my opinion. Tommaso Ciampa in NXT is a better heel than Sasha Banks. And here's why. Because Sasha Banks was such a good heel, she got cool and everybody started to cheer her. 
Tommaso Chapa is so awesome that people boo him every single week. Mm-hmm. He is a jerk. He comes out to no music. He spoils movies. Yep. <laughs> His Twitter is like the best thing on WWE, like in terms of Twitter. Like, yeah. he literally said, Candace and Johnny should never have kids yes, because I, they're both losers. I read that. <laughs> like, yes, I read that the other awesome. day. He is so good. Like, and that's what I tell people. Like, I look at, I looked at when Tasha was at her peak as a heel. She's more of a Randy Savage where she's really good and she's getting everybody's best best, but she became so popular that she became good like Randy Savage did. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes that's a problem because you're not really making the baby face. Like, come on. If you go back and watch those NXT matches, Sasha is getting more cheers than Charlotte, but Charlotte's supposed to be the baby face. That's not a good thing. Yeah. Tommaso Ciampa, nobody's cheering him. Not at They're, all. Fuck you, Ciampa. And, yeah. and the only other reason is Johnny Gargano is the best baby face in wrestling. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. Because he's so hard to hate. He's like Daniel Bryan. Plus two. Without the, without the whole yes movement, like he's just a small, fucky, never gives up baby face. His facials are great. Johnny, they're just, they're awesome. They, those two guys need a hell in a cell match. Yeah. Or like, or like a fall count anywhere or something. Cause they, they're that match they had to take over. Man, that match was just perfect. Now, as far like, as, it was just perfect. As far as rivalries go, I mean, I know it's probably watered down now, but how do you feel about their rivalry compared to Zane and Owens? I think that Ciampa and Gargano, at least in WWE, has been a little bit better because I think we got Owens and Zane way too much. Yeah. And that's the other problem of main roster Raw SmackDown compared to NXT is he... Sasha Bailey, Owen Zane, Ciampa, Ciampa, Ciampa Gargano. They're all the same story. Best friends who fight. Come back to being best friends who fight. That's the same story, right? Like, it's, there's nothing different. Here's the problem. Owen Zane are on the main roster. Sasha Bailey are. You've seen them fight each other on random throwaway rods. It means nothing. Whereas... You know Owens and Zayn are going to have a great match. You know Tasha Bailey could have a great match, but Tommaso and Gargano, they don't touch every week. No. So when they fight, it feels special. And I think that's the difference with NXT and why I like NXT better because I got Gargano and Almas two times. Oh, that was But I'm never going to see it again until Gargano gets to the main roster. And it's the same reason that I think all of us held out such hope for oh my god when Bailey comes up yeah you're gonna get Bailey Sasha Banks at WrestleMania not on a random February Monday Night Raw in Chicago that nobody cared about like that's that's the problem is for cheap rating they will throw these matches away because as we're gonna go over in the financial their television money means a lot more than their pay-per-view money it does. So to them, if we can throw Sasha and, and Bailey in the hot in the in the the highest rate segment to keep a rating, we'll do it because we need the money. We need the USA money. We don't care about your backlash. You already have the network. We don't care. Mm-hmm. 
And that's the problem. Yeah. Now, but NXTs, they have to build to the pay-per-view because yeah. they don't have weekly over uh, cable TV. Now, uh, with that being said, you was mentioning something about the financials. That's kind of one of the reasons why I want to get you on here. They just had an um, investor's call not too long ago. And you had some points you wanted to bring up about that because I'm very interested in the financial sides of WWE because I, I feel like, you know, uh, is wrestling. I love it. I've I've watched it all my life. But um, to know, you know, certain little things about this as a business, you know, is very interesting to me, you know, and you bring that insight. So I like to know a little more all about right. what's going on. <laughs> so they released their first first quarter results I think it was like on Wednesday or Tuesday I can't remember and you know obviously it's a company that's just riding high so let's start with the simple one you know their stock price is $41.01 which gives them a market cap of $3.04 billion so what that in essence means to everybody out there is if you want to buy WWE and you're like I'm going to buy every share of stock that's available on earth it would cost you $3.04 billion, which if we go back and look at some recent sports entertainment purchases, the Houston Rockets sold for $2 billion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, USB sold for $4 billion, I think. So WWE, if you were to buy that company, you'd have to spend a lot of money right now because the new TV deal is coming up and everybody who's in the television industry or in the dirt sheet industry, they're predicting that the WWE is going to make more money on television with this contract than they have previously. And currently they have a very lucrative TV deal, but if that doubles, you know, this is a company that could go from a $3 billion valuation to a five, $6 billion valuation. Hmm. If, if they get double the TV revenue, because they're very smart with their own network. So, Let's get to the numbers. Um, first quarter, which is January 1st to March 31st, 2018, their revenues reached $187.7 million. And just to put that in perspective, last year, their revenues, their overall revenues were, where did it go? Oh. Here it is. <laughs> I have all my notes here. Okay. So let's start this over. $187.7 million. That is very comparable. It increased by 5% from last year. So really what that means to everybody out there is it was about $173 million last year. So they made about $14 million more in just overall revenue. And most of that money, Rob, comes from their television contract. And their television contract with USA and other international partners is set up where every quarter they make more money than the previous quarter. So it's an accelerator. So okay. if the deal started at $20 million, the next quarter it goes to 23 then 26 And that's for the life of the contract. So every single quarter until the new deal, they're going to make more money off TV. And then they're going to make way more money when the new deal comes in. So their operating income was $21.8 million. And what that means is that's their revenue. I mean, they made $21.8 million in revenue. Last year, they made $4 million. And that's because last year they had to pay a heavy tax with the new tax rules. And 
they didn't have the same revenue streams that they currently had this quarter. Um, one of them being Facebook Watch. Mm-hmm. You know, for those out there who watched the Mixed Match, the Mixed Match Challenge, that was a new revenue stream they did not have last year. WWE Network average paid subscribers increased five percent. So this quarter they had 1.56 million paid subscribers, which is consistent with what they expected for this quarter. Now remember, this does not include any WrestleMania numbers because WrestleMania falls in the second quarter. The Greatest Royal Rumble falls in the second quarter. So all of this revenue does not include WrestleMania, does not include the Greatest Royal Rumble. Just want everybody to be aware of that. Speaking of WrestleMania, they kind of released on their financial call that WrestleMania broke the record for the highest grossing entertainment event at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, of course. which is $14.1 million. Now, I find it hard to believe, personally, that they made more money than the Super Bowls have done in New Orleans. But that's why I think they put entertainment. I didn't think they put sports. Mm-hmm. They say that during WrestleMania, they had 2.12 million houses watching on the WWE Network, which made it the most watched WrestleMania in history. Wow. Network subscribers need 25.2 million hours during WrestleMania week, or 14 hours a person. So out there, if you had a WWE subscription, during WrestleMania week, you watched 14 hours of WWE content, which is a tremendous amount of of viewing. Like, that's a lot of time you put into watching the WWE Network. I know I watched a lot of stuff that week. Yeah. And that's a 12% increase year over year. What's interesting is the WWE's most viewed day ever on YouTube was April 9th, and they had 50 million views. That would be the day after uh, after the Monday Raw. So you had the WrestleMania, and then you had the Raw. The next day, they had the most YouTube views ever, 50 million. And 13.9 million hours during WrestleMania week were consumed on digital and social media platforms, which is a 27% increase from the previous year. They are a very, very strong company. I mean, they are doing very well. They're financed very well. And I think the numbers are only going to get better. So let's go through a couple of more just to break it down for everybody in kind of simple terms. In 18, first quarter. The WWE made $133 million in media. I think your mic went down. Here they made 121. So in essence, they're making $12.2 million more this year for television than they did last year. Live events in 2018, 2017, 30.8 million to 32.1 million last year. And the reason for that is because remember last year, Rob, they had the big Royal Rumble in San Antonio, yeah. which had about 45,000 people. And so the difference in the revenue of one of them is this year's Royal Rumble was in Philadelphia, small venue. All right. So, Rob, WWE had a great first quarter, especially if you compare it to last year. They made about $14 million more in top-line revenue than they did last year. And you have to remember, that's with a lower revenue-generating Royal Rumble, 
without WrestleMania in the numbers and without the greatest Royal Rumble in the first quarter numbers because those events happen in Q2. So I'm just going to go through some very important uh, bullet points for everybody listening. So let's start with media. In the first quarter of 2018, the WWE made $133.4 million in media revenue. That's USA Network, Facebook Watch, international TV distribution. In 2017, they made $121.2 million. So they have improved their media revenue by $12.2 million. And for everybody out there who said, oh, this mixed match challenge thing is stupid, I don't like it, you know what? doesn't really matter because they made money from Facebook and they figured out a way to monetize something that was very quirky and they put a charity spin on it. So good for them. Uh, in 2018, the live event number was down slightly from 2017 because, as I was saying, the live event number last year was a little bit more because they had the Royal Rumble in San Antonio, which had about twice the capacity of this year's Royal Rumble in Philadelphia. And anybody knows this has been to a big four pay-per-view. When you have less people, you're going to make less money on merchandise. Yeah. And they had a really, they had a pretty sharp decline in merchandise this year in the first quarter compared to last year, 23.5 million this year versus 35.1 last year. That's because they had less international dates. And the other thing people have to understand is while we might take it for granted that these wrestlers come to our town every six months or three months, you know, when they go to London, or they go to Japan, or they go to Australia, it's like a rock show coming once a year, and people spend a lot of money. And the shows are always sold out, and the shows do tremendous merchandise. So that's one of the reasons that whenever they have live events that are international, you're going to see more money made on merchandise. When it comes to... Yeah. When it comes to... um you know, some of the other highlights from the WWE first quarter financial call. They continue to produce top quality programming and they're making a lot of money off the USA network. You know, to put this in perspective, they've had the highest rated program on USA 20 of the last 25 years. Their network subscriptions have gone up 5% in Q1 this year versus Q2. They also released a number that says that this WrestleMania, the one you attended live, by the way, was the most watched WrestleMania of all time. That on the day of the show, they had 2.12 million households watching WrestleMania. Now, you say that, um, but a little while ago, I think you brought it up that they only have one point some odd million subscribers, but two point whatever million watched it. So 1.56 million subscribers, Rob, is first quarter. Remember, oh, WrestleMania yeah. is second quarter. So what could have happened is on April 1st, everybody signed up for the network to watch WrestleMania. Ronda Rousey, Daniel Bryan's return. And so what you'll see in Q2 is probably a lot more subscribers than you had in Q1 because WrestleMania does not fall in Q1. Okay, I got you. That's why. The most popular show 
on the WWE Network that is an original show as Ride Along. So I just want everybody to be aware of that. <laughs> Ride Along is the most popular show on the WWE Network. That's fucking weird. Of all the original content. Now, damn, um, do you have like the, any of the other stats for any of the other um, original content shows? I know that, oh yeah, I, I can tell you this, that the, generally speaking, the highest rated shows on the network are always going to be the pay-per-views, mm-hmm. or like, if the Royal Rumble comes out at 2018, you know what's always the highest rated show? 2017 Royal Rumble. Like, people always go back and watch last year's version of the pay-per-view. But of original shows, Ride Along is very popular, and you know what? The other show that's I guess really popular was the Ed and Christian show that did really well. That's why they're bringing it back for a second season. They're bringing back Camp WWE. The table for threes are very, they do well. But mostly it's Ride Along. Like the Ride Along show does very well. People just like seeing their favorite wrestlers driving a car. I don't know. It's it's the show that works. I don't know. It's just like um, how kids like to sit there and watch other kids play with toys on YouTube. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, their financial results just exceeded what their expectations were. And, you know, as I told people, I don't think last year they knew they were going to have a deal with Facebook going into this year. So I think that additional Facebook revenue helped propel their media number where it's, you know, $12.2 million more than it was last year. And that's a lot of money. I mean, to make $12.2 million more in a line item year over year is it blows my mind that this Facebook thing could have been that lucrative, but it should be because Facebook has so much money. They can throw it at them. And, you know, as I was telling you, Rob, the new TV deal, there's industry experts who think the WWE is going to get 350 to $400 million a year to put that in perspective right now. They're getting about 180 from USA network. So they could literally get two X multiplier for their TV deal. And the big rumor is they're going to Fox. Now, how do you feel? And that, well, I don't know. I mean, I think there's some really positives about going to Fox. I'll give you an example. Like uh, Colin Cowherd, who's a very popular syndicated radio host, and I don't know if anybody listens to him out there, but I'm sure they do. He's always had a very negative connotation about wrestling. I mean, he's even criticized Eddie Guerrero when he died as a steroid user. And so all of a sudden, he starts to compliment wrestling. And I'm kind of like listening to this, and I'm like, this is peculiar. He's complimenting wrestling. Why? He has Jim Ross on his show. He has, you know, The Rock, and The Rock talks about wrestling. And then lo and behold, he goes and attends a SmackDown with all the Fox executives. And the next morning, he comes and he says, I had a blast. I met Charlotte. I met Natalia. They're very beautiful. It's like going to a Van Halen concert. It's just this tremendous production, but it's a tough life. They all ride Ubers. They all fly commercial or coach. And then all of a sudden, he starts talking about the possibility of them coming to another network that's Fox, which is his network, Fox. So then I got thinking, how would WWE work on Fox? Well, I'll tell you how they work. What if Monday nights on Fox, they say, WWE, we only want two hours, so we're going to take Raw from 
three hours to two hours because we have a 10 o'clock news that has to air in the local market. Mm-hmm. So now you get raw at two hours and you get the sports tie-in. So now you can see your favorite wrestlers like Seth Rollins, Sasha Banks on Undisputed with Skip and Shannon. You can see them on The Herd. So you're getting this kind of crossover that you're not going to get on USA. So like you could literally have your favorite WWE stars on Sunday night, on, on Sunday afternoon football games, like, you know, talking about their football teams and doing like fantasy predictions. Well, how many more audiences, how many more, sorry, eyeballs do you open up to your audience that way? Yeah. I mean, I, so, I agree with that. I mean, I think that would be a smart move. But as uh, far as dropping the extra hour, the third hour or whatever, how do you feel that would uh, affect, like, you know, the talent? You know, because, I mean, that's an hour less that they can showcase certain talent. That's a great call because a lot of people just look at it as a no-brainer. Oh, my God, I get a two-hour rod instead of three hours. It's tremendous. Like, I don't have to watch that third hour that drags. But there are a lot of people who might not get TV time because they don't have that third hour. So what I would hope happens is the WWE says, okay, we're going to go to two hours for Raw, no problem. We're going to create, like, another network show to spotlight these other talents. And I I would hope that, like, my, my dream has always been for the women to have their own show. Yeah, I can see that. And I know that WWE is so against that because... They feel like now you're not treating them the same. Like the cruiserweight, you give them their own show because they're not that important on the regular shows. But the women regularly outdraw the men in certain quarter hour segments. Yeah. And so for all of you listening out there, even though, you know, you you guys and I, I'm one of them who looks at a, a fast bay, like, oh my God, that she's just being wasted by fighting mediocre, marginal matches every week. She's on TV for a reason, because she draws the ratings. So if you take her off Raw, then you put her on her own show, or you put Alexa on their own show, are the advertisers of the networks mad? Because if anybody who has um, Sling, Sling TV, but the, the bullet, the bullet, bulletin board for Raw is Roman Reigns and Sasha Banks on Raw. That's another reason why she never got drafted to SmackDown because she's in all the raw advertising for the next six months. So it's like, you can't do that because if you upset your main core audience, you're basically saying, well, you know what, get the network, but not everybody who watches raw has the network. We know that because 3 million people watch raw and only 1.6 million have the network. So there's a huge audience that does not have the network that watches raw. Yeah. And so I don't know, Rob. I think that it's a good it's a good uh, talking point. Like, what does happen to uh, the revival? Yeah, or Curtis Axel, or Bo Dallas? Because you know, at first I was worried about the women. I was like, oh no, there's less time for Sasha Banks, less time for. And that's not going to happen. I don't think the women are going to get cut. Yeah, I think it's going to be the guys. Yeah, the lesser important guys. Yeah, I mean, there's more of them. So. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know. I you that's kind of what you wanted, you know, main event, and you know when they had superstars to be, you know, that catch all show or whatever. Because I mean, when both shows were two hours, they had those 
other shows that were our each to kind of fall back on. But, um, you know, one of them went away. Then Raw picked up the extra hour. So, I mean, it's just weird now. But I believe if they both chopped them down to two-hour shows, Raw and SmackDown, and you kind of build up that main event show as something to really fucking watch, I mean, I believe they'd be all right. Because, I mean, work is work. I mean, you go there to work, and if you got a place to work, i.e. main event, I mean, hey, you should be happy. The other thing um, that I want to talk about is the Greatest Royal Rumble. Yes. Very controversial uh, situation. Um, To those of you who don't know, Saudi Arabia and and some of them has family members who have lived in Saudi Arabia, and I know the culture very well. I'm not Muslim, but I grew up with a lot of Muslims. In Saudi Arabia, for all intents and purposes, the women are treated like second-class citizens. They're treated like property. This is a fact. If you don't believe me, go research it yourself. So until two years ago, women were not allowed to drive in Saudi Arabia. We're talking about 2016. They finally were allowed to get a license. 2018 is the first time women are allowed to attend sporting events, but they have to be accompanied by a male. Hmm. So women cannot compete Pete in athletic events. They do not have women's soccer. They do not have women's basketball. Like these things are not allowed. It's the culture. Women are to be seen and not heard. They're subservient. They're to cover themselves up. They are to basically be there to serve the guy. That's that's how this works. So WWE, you know, on one hand is pushing the women's revolution, evolution. We are about women empowerment. We are, we are, this is Hope Kids in Abu Dhabi where Sasha Banks and Alexa Bliss wrestle. Mm-hmm. We are, you know, Ronda Rousey. We are, you know, women's this and that. Women are the main event. Women have main evented. Women are, Selling more merchandise, blah, blah, blah. They, they are main eventing our shows. Yet, they get this offer from the Saudi Arabia Sports Council. And Saudi Arabia, for those of you who don't know, has a lot of money. Yes. A lot of money. If you've ever served in the military, and I know Rob, you have, <laughs> and you've ever served in the Middle East, you know when you go over to Saudi Arabia, Abu Dhabi, Kuwait, there's money that you're like, how do they have all this money? Well, it's called black gold or oil. Mm -hmm. They have so much of it that they make so much money off of it. So, you know, Saudi Arabia comes by and says, look, we need to, we need to open up our borders to the world of commerce. And you know, WWE, you guys are a worldwide company and you guys get worldwide exposure. So we want you to do a show here that's like advertised and promoted like a tourism, you know, ad. Come see Saudi Arabia. It's a beautiful country. Look, WWE's here. We're going to give you, what's the, oh, here's the check. It's a blank. How much do you want? Now, before you even get into um, some of the other stuff, as far as the financial wise go, I mean, I don't know this to be fact. I mean, you know a little bit more about it than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, the figure that I got was, $150 million. Now, I also heard that this is $150 million over the lifetime of a yearly show for 10 years. So, what's the validity so, of that? So, you're, you're going to get the number on the second quarter investor call because they have to release it. Okay. But there's a rumor that it's 
seventy million dollars a year. Okay. For ten years, so it's seven hundred million dollars for ten years to do two shows a year, maybe three. They're going to do another one in November, and there is real talk that the WWE is going to open a performance center in Saudi Arabia for male, you know, athletes who want to be wrestlers. Yeah. They're going to have an office in Saudi Arabia with employees. So if you're getting $70 million a year, let me put that in perspective for everybody who listens to this podcast. That's making more off of this greatest Royal Rumble than the next four WrestleManias. Yeah. That's so insane. If you, if you think about it, all the women performers, Sasha Banks, Charlotte, Carmella, if you go and look on their Instagram the weekend of the Greatest Royal Rumble, A, they were all on vacation somewhere exotic. Number two, they were all watching it and promoting it. You want to know why? Because they all probably got six-figure checks for not working. Yeah. Like, they literally got what's the equivalent of, you could say, hush money. Because I know this from a very reliable source. A very strongly worded email circulated amongst the WWE offices that if any of the women of talent speak up against it, they could lose their job. And that means anybody, Charlotte, Rousey, Banks, Bliss, doesn't matter. But if they don't not only not bash it, but they have to like almost support it, they'll be paid well. So put this in other perspective, Charlotte and Oscar led a tremendous match of many made about thirty thousand dollars each for their match. Sasha and Bailey for the little battle royal things made about like seventy five hundred because they were on the pre show. All four of those women probably got hundred thousand dollars just to sit at home and not say anything about this greatest Royal Rumble. And then you know, I don't think that's like a bad deal or whatever. I mean the the gripe is is like, oh, why would they take this money and go over there knowing that the culture is like that or whatever? But I'm just like, if this is a business deal that's going to span over the life of 10 years or whatever, you can best believe within that 10 year span, they're going to have women out there performing. And, you know, there's no doubt. But but you know what, Rob, they might not, they might not, let's just put it in. They may not have women out there performing because Renee Young wasn't even allowed. Stephanie McMahon couldn't show up. So Stephanie McMahon is, you know, Michelle Barrios is the highest ranking female official on paper in WWE couldn't go. Here's the thing. Saudi Arabia isn't going to change its culture because of the WWE. Saudi Arabia is going to be Saudi Arabia. If they want to make a change, it has to come from within. It has to be the younger generation of men Mm -hmm. who become empowered, who say, you know what? This is wrong. We got to give women equal opportunity. Okay? They have to do it. The WWE is a business. They're a publicly traded company that helps like you and I have either a small nest egg, a medium nest egg, a large nest egg, some nest egg in their financial. And so to, to both of us, we'd probably be like, oh my God, they're going to pass $70 million a year. Let's say that's the number. Let's say it's $35 million. doesn't matter. $10 million, $12 million. Somebody else is going to take the money. The NBA would take it. Yeah. You know, no, everybody's like, oh, the NBA wouldn't take it. The NFL wouldn't take it. Yeah, because they don't need it. The NFL's making billions on TV. The NBA's making billions on TV. The WWE's making millions. There's a big difference. And, you know, 
the WWE saw that UFC went to Saudi Arabia, got a 10% equity stake in UFC. Saudi Arabia bought 10%. I think they paid like $175 million for it. How do we not know the WWE isn't planning some kind of share selling to Saudi Arabia to buy 10 to 20% of the company for a, an outlandish figure because this is a business. And look, do I want to see, like, Carmella got a louder pop in Saudi Arabia than any other men did when they showed her by accident. And I don't know if you want me to talk about that, but yeah, that's fine. the WWE has the, uh, that stupid, we are the world advertisement where all yeah. they're, they're singing, you know, yeah. the, the whole Carmella singing. So they showed that ad on the youth, on the video screen by the state, quote unquote. And Sasha Banks had her wrestling gear on, which means she has her underwear on. Yeah. And Carmella had the one piece bathing suit. And when they saw Sasha Banks and then they really saw Carmella, they cheered louder than for anybody in the building, like more than Roman Reigns, whatever. Because the men there aren't exposed to hot women who get to dress like this. Yeah. So if you think about it, maybe the WWE got their point across. Like, hey, Saudi Arabia, your men want this. And the Saudi Arabia government actually blocked um, the feed. So it was being shown on national TV, this Royal Rumble. And when Carmella came on, they actually blacked out the show until the video was done. Yeah. And they had to apologize for it. But I would just tell everybody this. Look, do I like their policies as a country? No, I don't. No. But I also understand that I can't expect a wrestling company to change that. And I cannot expect a wrestling company to turn down boatloads of cash because of the outrage on Twitter. Like, you know, they don't make business decisions for Twitter. Yeah. If they did, Finn Balor would be the world champion. So they're making business decisions for the long term viability of their company. And honestly, Whether you love it or hate it, any wrestling company, New Japan, Ring of Honor, they would have taken the money too. So let's not pretend like the WWE wouldn't have taken, or the only one who would take this money. Yeah, I mean, I I don't, me personally, I I mean, I think it's just a stepping stone. It's a monumental task in itself, regardless if it had women or not, you know, and, you know, it is what it is. I mean, they knew what they was getting into before they done it. And like you said, it's a freaking business. So, I mean, you can't fault a business for trying to make its business some motherfucking money. Hello? Yeah, I'm here. Oh. You there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm done ranting. <laughs> but overall, other than the financials of the greatest Royal Rumble, what did you think about the show itself? I thought the show sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the show sucked. I thought that the Styles Nakamura match was really good. I thought that the Seth Rollins uh, ladder match with Balor, Miz, and Samojo was awesome. Like, I thought that was it fantastic match and I thought the rest of the show sucked I, I really did like I mean I don't want to see a 50 person Royal Rumble I thought it was laborious and it just dragged yeah but like my whole thing about that is just like they paid for that you know because that's a absolutely whole, no 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 yeah that's a whole reason why we got 50 people that's the whole reason we got the Undertaker old ass who needs to go the fuck home uh, out there wrestling that's how we got another Brock and Roman match. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, and then we all heard the the rumors about how yeah, dude wanted fucking Yokozuna and Ultimate Warrior there. (laughs) Yeah, like it's a glorified it's a glorified house show, right? Only um, the tag titles changed because they were vacant going in. Nothing else changed. Yeah, you know, Seth kept his belt. Hardy kept his belt. Brock kept the belt. AJ kept the belt. They had screwy finishes. Mm -hmm. Look, if somebody pays me, look at. The, the production value was much greater than WrestleMania. Look at the fireworks. Yeah, I've seen that. That was a fucking amazing. Yeah, the fireworks were fantastic. So to me, they brought Chris Jericho, the Undertaker, back for this. Yes. Chris Jericho didn't even wrestle at WrestleMania. Nope. So they probably gave Chris Jericho like four or $500,000 just to do this because, you know, for those New Japan fans up there, Chris Jericho was on New Japan like last two, two nights ago. So... Mm-hmm. Obviously, it was a quick cash grab. And look, it's a lot of money it's just to go over and perform the show. So, to me, I hated the show. I thought the show, here's what I didn't like about it, Rob. I thought it cheapened the Royal Rumble. Because, like, the Royal Rumble is like that once a year, I get excited for it. Yeah. it. You know, the winner goes to WrestleMania. And then this did it. And this is where Daniel Bryan almost won. I didn't like that. Yeah, but I didn't like it, that as much. Your either. point. It's just a house show. It's a house show that was on the network because they're making so much money off this that they can put it on the network. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's what it is. Like, if they do the greatest Survivor Series there or the greatest Backlash, like, that's what it's going to be. Like, yeah. they, Saudi Arabia doesn't care about title changes and booking. They just like, give me a show. Here's a check. Give me a show. Yeah, and, and I know. I mean, that's, that's, that's exactly what this was. A motherfucker's like, here's some money. This is what I want to see. And that's what they got. You know, it was exactly what you said. Titles didn't really mean nothing. They just wanted a freaking show. And that's what they got. They got a freaking show. Yep. That's it. And, and so, look, do I like, I, here's what I wish they did. They, they got the money from Saudi Arabia. They did the show. And then on Raw, and I want to not take credit for this because uh, I think her name is Nadia on Twitter or Vina KM on Twitter, she said, Hey, you know what, WWE, you want to promote Saudi Arabia during the show? No problem. But do I have to see it on Monday and Tuesday? That's what they could have avoided. Like, mm-hmm. give me the results of the show. Talk about how, you know, how much of a experience it was and move on. But we didn't need the constant Saudi Arabia is a great country. I can't wait to go back. I can't wait to go back. I can't wait to go back. They didn't need to do that on Raw. I think they could have just, they drove their point home at the at the show. The other thing that I heard is that Corey Graves got in a lot of trouble where he put on Instagram, hey, you know, don't take it for granted that in our country women can vote and drive, which is a direct shot at Saudi Arabia. And I guess a lot of people told him, hey, you could lose your job for this. So it's a lot of money to mess with, man. These, these performers better be careful. Things will get rid of them. Because seventy, none of them are bringing in seventy million dollars. No, and he could buy another one just so, like him. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, so I thought that you know Sasha and, and Charlotte and Becky, they did a great job during the Great Royal Rumble by basically just putting on their post one day goosebumps. Yeah. Like they're saying, like, yeah, we want to wrestle there one day. They probably know it might never happen, but. You know, they know that this is, I gotta play the, I gotta tote the company line. Mm-hmm. I gotta smile and collect that check. And yeah. let me tell you something, man, at least for Sasha, it's bigger than her media check 
by a mile. So, yeah. you know, why would you, why would you say something to hurt a six figure payday? Yeah. And then, I mean, it's like, I mean, they probably never thought in a million years they'd be out in Dubai wrestling. And there you go. They did it. Yeah. I mean, that, and what's interesting about the Dubai uh, match is that's the only match that had a video camera. Like, they didn't film any other match in Abu Dhabi other than that match. Because apparently that match is going to be the centerpiece of a DVD. <laughs> so, yeah. so, you know, they're fine. I mean, both of them are fine. You know, the, all the women, they didn't get to wrestle in Saudi Arabia. You know what? To be honest, maybe they didn't want to. Because, like, do you, if you're a woman in the United States and you have your freedom and you can do everything, and then you go to Saudi Arabia and you see how other women are treated, is that the men's mentality? Like, do you want to see that? Is that going to make you feel better? Yeah, and then just think of all the shit that you're going to have to conform to going out there to do that, you know? Yeah, like, you can't be, you know, they all have to wear the full body suits. They can't get too physical. Like, it's it's too many rules. Yeah. They're better off. You know, I would have preferred this, and this was my idea on Twitter, and I, and I, I know I tweeted you this, but the same weekend they're doing the Great Star Rumble, they should say, you know what, ladies, we're going to give you your own house show. Yeah. We're going to run three house shows it's women only. NXT women, main roster women. We're going to have all these interpromotional matches. We're going to have, you know, the four horse women versus Am- Amber, Oscar, whoever. I don't know. Make it up. But the point is, you could have done that to say, yeah. you know what? We're running a women only show because they deserve it. That would have been cool. Yeah. That would have been a cool thing. Then maybe they'll do that. So. I don't know. Like, I, I think it's a money grab. They got to take the money. Yeah. I do not begrudge them for taking the money nope. because other businesses would have. And $70 million a year, man, that's a lot of money to turn down. And then I tell you what, I mean, even me, like if I was one of the female performers, even me as a professional wrestler, knowing the rigors of the WWE schedule, going on the road, in and out, all day, every day, I would love to take a fucking break and get paid for it. You know? So, I mean... Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Instead of being on, you know, on a plane going to, you know, somewhere in Delaware or somewhere in Iowa, it's like, oh, I'm getting a six-figure check. Carmella's like, great. I'm going to go to the Bahamas. I'm going to go to Barbados. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, you know, and, and I mean, you... I posted the pictures in your chat, but I mean, Carmella was oh, showing up. I got it. <laughs> we, Oh, my, my, my. <laughs> She was showing out. So that's uh, fine. I mean, I think that, you know, the women of the WWE, as long as they're still very important parts of the program in the United States and on weekly TV. But yeah, there are segments on Raw and I hear they're cut out every week. So I want everybody to know that this is a consistent thing. Like, on if you go to Saudi Arabia and you turn on Monday Night Raw, you will not see a women's segment. No. You will not see a women interview. All that stuff is cut out. It's all edited out. Yeah. So it is what it is. But um, while yep. we we done with um the greatest Royal Rumble, you had any other financials mm-hmm. or um greatest Royal? No, I, I would just say I would just say this, Rob. I think when I do this call with you the second quarter, I think that's when eyes are going to open because what you might have by then, you might have the great. You're going to have the greatest Royal Rumble revenue. You're going to have the true WrestleMania subscriber revenue. You're going to have all the WrestleMania revenue. And you might have the new TV deal. Because rumor is they're going to try to sign the new TV deal by the end of May. So you might have 
the new TV deal to talk about. So we could really spend a whole podcast talking about the ramifications of them being on Fox or them being on FX or them being on ESPN too, which is another weird rumor out yep, there that ESPN might pick it up. So, you know, um, we'll see. So, no, that's it. I'm just getting ready to give you my backlash predictions and hop on out of here. All right. Let's um, kick into it. Oh, so, I'm going to just go in order as it is from the bottom of the website up to the top. The first thing we got okay. is uh, Bailey versus Ruby Riot in the backlash kickoff match. Who you got? Uh, okay. Well, I, okay. Who do I got? I think Ruby Riot not only has to win, should win. Yes. And I think this match, all this is, is this is another building block of a Bailey Sasha Banks story. I think this has very little to do with Ruby Riot, and it has a lot to do with Sasha watching a backstage monitor, seeing her so-called friend getting beat up. Mm-hmm. And that's it. I mean, that's what this match is. I also kind it, of this feel, match is, yeah. Yeah, I also kind of feel that, like, it could also stir the pot a little more if Bailey came out with victorious. And Sasha couldn't do it. I, that's uh, well, I guess it would it would make sense if Bailey won with Sasha's help, because then then Bailey could say, "Well, wait a minute, I I didn't need your help. I was going to beat her anyway." Yeah. And Sasha's like, "No, no, no. Well, you were losing, and I helped you." So the, the, the only the only problem I have is okay, make Ruby Riot look strong, like like they did on Monday night. Let her get this win. I think she needs it. Yeah. I think she can use it. And that's what I would do. I would book this match where the numbers game, again, were too much for Bailey. She loses, just like Sasha lost on Monday. They kind of come together. Okay, we got to join up again to send these three off. And then at some point in that feud, somebody turns on somebody, and we finally get them going at it. So my prediction is Ruby Riot. Yeah, I'm down with Ruby Riot too. I think she's a standout talent and she needs to be yep. highlighted as such. Yep. Alright, next we got for the United States title, Jeff Hardy versus Randy Orton. <laughs> I I want to say, yeah, I think Jeff Hardy's going to win. I think, I think Jeff Hardy should win this match. Yeah, I, think I don't know why Randy Orton needs the belt at this place. Yeah, I think he should retain as well. Nope. All right, that's enough on that. <laughs> All right, next we got the uh, Raw Women's Championship: Nia Jax versus Alexa Bliss. Oh, I think Nia Jax wins this pretty, pretty convincingly. I think Nia's hot as a babyface. She's getting a very loud reaction um, because she's not a confused character. You know, Sasha's confused, Bailey's confused. Um, Nia Jax is not confused. She's a a pure white meat babyface. She's good. She fights for the against bullies. Um, she's ridiculed by Alexa and Nikki. I think people like her. They like her story. Uh, Nia has, not only should she win, she has to win and she should look very strong here. Yeah. So Nia's gonna win. And side note, um, Mickey James. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Mickey James. Yeah, she, Mickey James is like Benjamin Button. She's yeah. getting better with time. Yeah. And then she, just yeah. her playing the heel role is just amazing as well, too. She's always been a great heel, though. I mean, you go back with her yes. to Trish. She was fantastic heel. But, you know, for me here, the story has to be Nia Jax beating Alexa Bliss convincingly and moving on to another feud. And, and again, I, I don't know how the, the outcome of this feud happens, but I think the next feud that should be Nia Jax's feud is a heel Sasha Banks. 
that's the feud that I think could really cement Naya as as a top as the top baby face where Sasha has always been the one who beats her. And if you go back and look at the storyline, mm-hmm. Sasha's been always the one who beats Nia Jax. Nobody else beat Nia Jax except Sasha on the main roster. Clean. Yeah. So I think it should be Nia has to overcome something because that's what a baby face does. That would be my booking direction. Or Mickey James, that'd be good too. Yeah. So yeah, Nia wins. Yeah. For um, sure. We on the same page, man. I, I pick a uh, Nia Jax as well. What um I would like to see, you know, after this, you know, if she retains, I'd like to see her go up against Ember Moon. I just want to see how that dynamic would work. I, I think that would be great, but I think Amber's hot as a baby face too. I don't think you. I think this is why I say you need to turn Sasha Banks because you have Ronda Rousey, Nia, Amber as your kind of core baby faces. And I understand the merchandise aspect of Sasha Banks, but she'll still sell merchandise as a heel, Alexa Bliss does. So yeah. I don't. I think this is where I need to see Sasha become a, a heel. I, I'm I'm happy with Amber, Nia, Rousey, Maddie as baby faces because it's different. And I mean, Sasha's been a baby face for two and a half years, and it's yeah. kind of stale now. So yeah, I, I agree that Amber Moon and Nia would be great, mm-hmm. but I don't think you can do that match yet. Yeah, and then you always have the trope of um, Natalia turning on her her friends and shit. So she's gonna—that's obvious. Natalia's gonna turn on Ronda Rousey. That's obvious. That that one's like telegraphed. Yeah. So um, this is that's like so telegraphed. Yeah. So I mean, maybe you can get Natalia and um, Nia Jax rolling around somewhere. But enough about that. Yep. Yep. That would be good. That would be good. Intercontinental Championship: Seth Rollins versus The Miz. What you got? I think Seth Rollins has to retain. Yeah. I mean. Um, I feel he will, but I, I really want the Miz to win because, I mean, he's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Miz is awesome, but maybe Miz should get a world title shot. Yeah, that too. I, I want so much. I want him to do all the things. I want him to unify the Intercontinental title and the <laughs> World Heavyweight title. <laughs> all yeah, the things. I, I love the Miz. I think he's great. I just, I think Seth Rollins is so hot right now as a baby face. He hasn't been this hot in two years. I just think you got to keep the belt on on your guy that everybody cheers for every week. So I think Seth Rollins wins in what I think could be one of the better matches tonight. Yeah, and then it's kind of obvious anyway because I mean the Miz is on SmackDown now. They ain't gonna just flip him right back to Raw. No. Yeah. So no, that's true. Seth Rollins all the way. And here we got this clusterfuck of a thing. We got Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Okay, here's my prediction. All right. This is going to change. I think Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens are going to win because Bobby Lashley is going to turn heel on Braun Strowman. Yeah, I can see that too because like when I just scrolled up to this image of all four of these individuals, I feel like you know Owens and Zayn might win via shenanigans or just maybe purely commu- miscommunication between Bobby Lashley and Braun Strowman. I mean, not even a heel turn, just a miscommunication. But I don't know. Um, Braun is coming off, you know, winning the greatest Royal Rumble, being like a big centerpiece of the Raw program. And then we got a newly returning Bobby Lashley. So, I mean, it's kind of hard to pick against him, you think? I think Braun Strowman, like I said, I'm just going on my hunch that Braun is so hot as a baby face. I mean, he's clearly the most over guy on the roster by a mile, right? He is the guy. 
Yeah. And if you want to make him the guy, he needs to beat up some people to get to the title. Well, what better match for next pay-per-view than Bobby Lashley versus Strowman? I mean, that's a tremendous match. Yeah, I That's like a dream match. Yeah, I'd like to see it. And so I think that you got to turn Lashley here. Okay. And as far as Lashley goes, man, not doing the spear, not doing the jackhammer, not doing the running power slam. <laughs> nope. I mean. I I just think the, the WWE needs to see a heel Bobby Lashley, like what they saw a little bit of in TNA for the yeah. 15 people who watched it. So I like Lashley as a heel. I think he could, it's believable that he could give Braun a fight or beat the crap out of Braun. So, yeah. like, I don't want to see Braun and Roman again. No. I'm tired of that match. So, I want to see somebody else with Braun. And I think and Bobby Lashley is the perfect answer. So, yeah, my, my prediction is Sammy and Kevin win because Bobby Lashley turns on Bob Strowman in the match. And, and it has been touted around the internet as well or whatever. I mean, I've heard it on other podcasts and I kind of feel the Oh, same really? Way. No, 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 I kind of feel the same way as as far as um, Bobby Lashley. They need to bring in MVP. That would be good. I, I like MVP. I've always been a fan. I love MVP. He's like one of my top five uh, United States champions ever. <laughs> He's great. He was great. He should have been the world champ. They dropped the ball there. Yeah. But um, for my pick as well, I'm, I'm going to go with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. I mean – I was kind of feeling that. I wasn't really sure about who to pick in this scenario, but, you know, throwing out what you threw out, it kind of made me think the same thing. So I'm going with the same again. <laughs> All right, next we got Daniel Bryan and Big Cass. Hey, uh, Daniel Bryan, Big Cass. I, <laughs> I, have, I have Big Cass with me. I don't know why, but I have Big Cass with me. You think the shenanigans or just because – I think he just beats him because I think Daniel Bryan will get his win back, but I think this is Big Cass's first match in a year. I think he beats him. Yeah. Well, shit, this is Daniel Bryan's first match in forever. <laughs> well, not first, but, you know, I don't know. Um, if you're going to get real heat on Big Cass, you've yeah. got to have him win this match. Yeah. So he can continue on that, hey, you're a midget, you look like my gardener, blah, blah, blah. I think Cass would, I don't want him to win. I think Cass would be a stepping stone. Brian is the hottest baby face they have other than Strowman. But this is WWE, this is how they book. Yeah. And then Brian has always been the underdog, regardless of the situation or whatever. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I can kind of see him losing and, you know, getting it back later. <sighs> so you got big cast? I do. I don't know, man. It's just like, I want to pick Brian, but I do, you know, just seeing what I saw as far as, you know, them two together, he eliminated him in the Royal Rumble, the greatest Royal Rumble, I should say. And, you know, he's just been dominating over him these past couple of uh, weeks. I know it's kind of hard not to pick big (laughs) ass. You know what? That that tells you Daniel Bryan should win this. Because that's how WWE books, right? The guy who looks the strongest going in loses. Yeah. All right. This, this is where we part ways, AJR, man. I'm going to go with Daniel Bryan. <laughs> okay. All right. Next, we got the SmackDown Women's Champion, Carmella versus Charlotte for the title. Ooh, okay. I'm going to be the only one who goes on with them. I was on a chat room. Um... And I brought this up, 
And I'm going to stick to my prediction. I think Charlotte wins tonight. I can see that too, man. Because, like, you know, it's just fucking weird. I want I want Carmelo. And here's why. Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you why, though. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll go tell ahead. you why. Okay. So, on Tuesday Night SmackDown, mm-hmm. they had, they made a comment, which I was like, well, I never heard that before. And this is what they said. Okay. If Charlotte wins on Sunday, she tries, she ties Trish Stratus for seven title reigns. Yeah, I heard that too. <laughs> okay. So now I'm thinking they're going to try to build Charlotte's resume. Mm-hmm. So just in this ridiculous time by next year when she fights around the route. So it's like, they could easily do this. Have Charlotte win tonight and have Charlotte lose again to Carmella. So at least Charlotte ties to Stratus and the chase is to break Trish's record. So she ties her, loses the belt, like her dad, and then she'll get the belt later on next year sometime. So that's why I think tonight Charlotte wins. I also think Charlotte wins tonight because it's in Carmella's pseudo hometown, New Jersey, New York area. That's another reason. Yeah, I mean, that is a good case or whatever. I was thinking about it, too, because, I mean, they don't never really just bring up shit to bring up shit, you know, because like it's kind of is semi kind of why Brock Lesnar's still the champ because he's reaching up on uh, CM Punk's title reign. Um, but what is the, yeah everybody says that oh he's gonna have the modern record well okay one CM Punk held the WWE title yeah Brock Lesnar held a universal title yeah. number one number two then what are they gonna say Brock Lesnar is gonna break the modern day record of CM Punk are they gonna bring up CM Punk on TV they're gonna bring number up three the modern day Maharaja <laughs> <laughs> to me, who cares? Like, Bruno has the record of 10 years or 8 years. Nobody's going to break that. Yeah. Hogan had 4 years. You know, so you're not going to break the Hogan 4 years. You're not going to break Bruno's record or Pedro Morales. So, they they have to stop obsessing over these stupid things. Like, that's why Nikki Bella got her reign. That's why AJ could be out of the ring. It's just stupid. Like, who cares? So, okay. Um, I'm picking Charlotte to win. Nobody else is picking Charlotte. I'm picking Charlotte because I think the WWE wants to pad her resume, so she wins tonight. Yeah, they've been doing that since she came up, though, man. Padding her yes. resume. It, it, well, they, they padded every, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, her yeah. and Sasha Banks, if you look back into the modern era of all the women's stuff, like the first ever this match, the first ever this match, it's Charlotte and Sasha Banks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I'll give you my answer after we discuss this next one. <laughs> Okay. For the WWE World Championship, AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura in a no disqualification match. Nakamura's going to win. He's going to get the belt finally. I think if you want to complete the heel turn, you got to give him the belt. I think the way he should win, this is my other booking idea, is AJ has him in the Styles Clash. He's about to go forward as he does. Shinsuke well blows him, well blows him again. And again, does it like four times in a row and then just rolls them up by grabbing the tights to be a complete jerk and win the title. Yeah. And also, I mean, I said this a while ago. Um, 
the club betrays AJ and it become the temporal club. <laughs> I think that would be a great uh, angle too. I think that nobody, I, I don't think two people have been more misused than Anderson and Gallows. Yeah. And it's, I like, uh, I, other I, than Becky Lynch. Yeah. I totally <laughs> fucking forgot that they were tag team champions in WWE. Twice. Twice. I totally fucking forgot that. You know, it's just like, I forget they're there, man. When I see them on TV, I was like, oh, shit, they're here. And then they go away. <laughs> it's fucking weird. But um, uh, with the stipulation, I, I do feel that Nakamura is going to win. I want Nakamura to win. But at the same time, what's next if Nakamura wins is what I'm thinking about. I mean, now that he's healed, I mean, you know, there's uh, a lot of instant interesting dynamics that they can have as far as um, matches for opponents and everything, but what do we do with a heel champion Nakamura? I mean, obviously AJ going to get his rematch and there's going to be like still some lingering effects from their feud, but what's next for Nakamura? Well, if, so you're asking me what's next for Nakamura if he doesn't win the belt? Yeah, if if he wins it or if he even, if he doesn't win it. If he if he wins the belt, the next thing for Nakamura to me has to be after he gets through AJ, because if he wins the belt, they have to have the rematch, right? Yeah. AJ would get a rematch. He has to fight Daniel Bryan at SummerSlam for the belt, right? Yeah, I can see that. They already had. I their, mean, that has to. Yeah, they that already, has to be the next match. Yeah, they already had their warm up match. They had a dark match at the last SmackDown. That he gave him a low blow. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, now, I just so, I, I love everything about the Shinsuke Nakamura heel character. I mean, I just love the character, the person, period. But just him, his facial expressions, you know, just the over ampness of his attitude and everything. I, I I really enjoy it, and I would like to see you know, it's still gonna it's gonna be even more of a change whenever he does grab the title, and I want to see that. I want, yeah, I want Shinsuke to grab the title because I love AJ Styles. I think he's, he's like the best wrestler in the company, but I'm bored of him having the belt. I can admit that. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of like, I, why, you know why I like Nia Jax and Carmella? I've never been the biggest Nia fan. I'm not the big, I'm, Carmella's okay. You know why I like them having the belt? Because their, their names aren't Charlotte, Alexa, or Sasha Banks. Yeah. And then, like, as far as uh, AJ and Nakamura, it could swing either way for me. I could see AJ holding the title for a long ass time because I know he's going to deliver in the ring with whoever he performs with, you know, and then just to have Nakamura win as well. I mean, I mean, either way it goes, either way the pendulum swings, I'm satisfied with AJ retaining and I'm excited if Nakamura takes it off of him, but I'm picking Nakamura. I, I definitely think that Nakamura should win the belt. He should look strong. And I think a heel, like a heel champion is what the WWE needs more than anything else, not only on the men's side, but on the women's side. Like they need a heel who makes the baby faces come up. And I think Nakamura can do great things. Like he has the belt. Renee Young tried to hear it. Me no speak no English. Like that was so was awesome great. when that he did that. Best. So 
I want Nakamura to win the belt. I do not. I I would be so mad if they kept it on AJ. I want Nakamura to get the belt. So that's my prediction. All right. So we tied with Nakamura. Um, Also, Carmelo is going to retain. Oh, you have Carmelo winning. Yeah, that's what I'm going to go with. (laughs) And then the last match that got listed on this card is Roman Reigns versus Samoa Joe. What you got? Well, I think Roman Reigns has to win this match. Uh, he'll be he'll be completely the underdog. I mean, he'll be the the, the boot, he'll be the heel. He's going to get booed. It's New Jersey. They're not going to cheer for him. Yeah. But Roman Reigns has to win this match, and I'll tell you why. Because Roman Reigns can't afford any more losses. Um, and I think what they need to do is this should be the start of the Roman Reigns heel turn. Like they're not going to do it. But what I want to see tonight is not only I want to see Roman Reigns beat Samoa Joe, I want him to almost kill him. Yeah. Where after he beats him, he like puts him through two tables, beats him up to the point where like the fans are like, oh my God, he's going to turn heel. And slowly you see the dark side of Roman Reigns come out because I sent you a clip, maybe I did, on of NXT. There's an NXT clip of Roman Reigns being a heel. Oh yeah, I've seen that. Where he has a suit, he has a suit on and he's like, you see who has the big watch? Yeah. Okay. What is so wrong with Roman Reigns being a, a heel? Because Braun Strowman's your top baby face yeah. on Raw. Let Roman Reigns be your top heel. Let him beat Brock to the belt finally. Let Brock go go away. And let Reigns just be the, the douchey heel Batista guy where he's like, I'm going to beat all your internet darlings. Yeah. Bobby Roode and beat him. So to me, I, want, I think Roman Reigns always should win this match. I think he should win it strong. Samojo is on SmackDown. It doesn't matter if he wins. He's such a good talker. Yeah. He'll come back and say, you know what? I finally got Roman to be Roman. I did that for him. Yeah. For my Samoa. He could do whatever. So yeah. Roman Reigns is winning. Yeah, he's winning. Yeah. There's no way he loses. Yeah, no I- way. I'm on the same wavelength as you, but I kind of feel like the opposite should happen. It's like Joe should beat the shit out of him. You know, they kind of run an injury angle and have Roman off TV for a little bit. And then when he come back, he can do all that shit that you said. And like just maul yeah, the shit out of somebody. I, you know, the way Brad is performing on house shows, they don't really need Roman. So, yeah, that's fine. That works, too. Yeah. It's just like I'd rather him take time off because he's always there I mean you know that's his tout that's his his uh, his thing that hey I'm always here you know kind of like how John Cena was doing but he can go away for a little while he can take a break because I mean they got Seth Rollins he can hold the reins <laughs> no pun intended and then um, you know they got so many other talents on there that can take up his spot and nobody would even give a fuck if he was gone so I mean I believe Joe should beat the shit out of him beat him down hurt him send him off TV for a little while, then he can go back to SmackDown and brag his ass off, and then Roman will come back eventually, and then damn, they'll have, because they do a branded pay-per-views, and he can just, like, come back and beat the shit out of Joe later, and then, damn, he can go rupshod from there. But, I'm picking Roman to win as well, because he's been getting the shit beat out of him, and he do to get his win back somewhere. Okay. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Roman. I, well, you. So you're picking Joe to win, or you're picking Reigns to I'm win? I'm picking Reigns. I'm picking Reigns. Because he's due for it. Okay. Yep. 
but shit, that's it. That's pretty much all of the things. That was your backlash analysis from myself and the king, Mr. Ajar. We are five hours and 24 minutes and 47 seconds away from the WWE backlash (laughs) pay-per-view because I'm looking at it on the website. But um, yeah, man, it's been great having you out here on the show. Um, I don't want you to think just because you're a contributor to the show or whatever that I'm having you here, you know, as some kind of fan service. And you've been here for that. And, you know, man, I, I appreciate you for what you do for the show. Just I appreciate you, appreciate you in general for just showing your support. Well, I appreciate you having me on. I can't wait to come back and talk about the second quarter, which yeah, will too. definitely be a lot more exciting than the first quarter. So on that note, thank you so much for having me, sir. Uh, I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, I'll see shit on Twitterverse. <laughs> yep, see you on Twitter. All right. All right, take care. And that was the man himself, King Ajar. Um, I know we we went all over the map. Well, not so much all over. We kind of went off sports heavy in the beginning, but it transitioned over into professional wrestling as we tend to talk about whenever Ajar comes on. But um, yeah, man, it was just a lot of financials getting thrown at you. I mean, I find personally, I find that very interesting or whatever. And you know, just to have Ajar come in and you know, you know, break down all this stuff for me. One, I don't search for none of that shit. I don't look up spoilers for nothing or anything like that. You know, I hear things as you heard me allude to during the podcast. I heard this. I heard that. But it's um when we get to talking these financials and everything. I mean, it's just amazing to hear, you know, the inner workings of this company that I've watched since a child all the way up until now. So I hope you didn't get too bored or whatever. I mean, we also had a little bit of audio uh, difficulties or anything. That's why you might have heard a lot of pauses and long um, silences and everything. I'll try to edit that out the best that I can. But um, yeah, I appreciate you joining us on this edition of the Random Rams with Rob podcast edition. And um, hope to hear and see you next week. I don't know how I'm going to see you unless we're on a Skype call together. But yeah. Um, also, I got some uh, video footage that I'm working on right now. I did my first uh, test video with um, some of my uh, video camera equipment. I bought a whole bunch of shit because I'm trying to um, make up my own little camera rig or whatever. I have a, a, a camera. I'm trying to put the roll cage on it. I don't know why I'm saying roll cage like I'm be damn doing stunt driving with a motherfucking camera. But I got my um my rig cage and everything and I'm trying to, you know, put all my things on it. My um, my phone, my iPad as an extra recorder, because I was gonna buy an audio recorder, but that bitch would have cost two hundred and some odd dollars, which I could just use my iPad that I already have for free, my iPad mini. So I'm trying to set up my own little camera setup and everything, and I'm a try to bring you some video footage hopefully i'll be done editing um the video that i have today is the test run i i was a little unenthusiastic or whatever you know how you hear me on the podcast i'm all over the place my voice is up my voice is down or whatever but i was very monotone and kind of you know direct when i was doing the video i mean it was just pretty much to get a feel of how to set up the equipment and you know just you know the lighting and all those things like that so it was just kind of me doing a talk through other things or whatever so when you see it was he sad when he recorded this or whatever i mean why is he just like there's no energy there and then also what i found myself looking back at the footage that i was 
making sure that I was centered on the camera, but I wasn't looking directly at the camera. I was looking to the viewfinder to the right of the camera. So that's why it looks like when you see the video, I'm looking off to the right and everything because I'm just looking at myself in the viewfinder. So I got to stop doing that shit. And then the audio was what it was. I was using um, a, a lapel microphone. Um, I'm trying to figure out the audio settings within the camera and my audio um, bridge that I have hooked up to it. So hopefully I can get that better. And then, you know, using the iPad as an external audio source, um, I'll just probably have some better clean audio because I can just export that and do the edits and probably just uh, sync it up with the lips and whatnot. So. Yeah, just a lot of jargon that I threw at you, kind of like how you was getting hit with all that financial jargon and everything. So, hey, what up, everybody? It's Hoppy. I had a very interesting question sent to me from this guy Andre. He's a hockey fan, you know. He said, "How hard, how hard would a puck have to be shot to be able to knock the goalie himself backward into the net?" I mean, that would be some fucked up shit. That that'd be an awesome goal, wouldn't it? Hit a, a hockey puck so hard it pops the goalie and throws him back in the net, and you score. I mean that's gangster. But this really can't happen, Andre. It, it just can't. It's it's not a problem hitting a puck hard enough. Uh, humans with sticks just can't make a puck go much faster than about 50 meters a second. And we can assume this puck is launched by a hockey robot or an electric sled or a hypersonic light gas gun, I guess. But uh, the problem is, in a nutshell, the hockey players are heavy and pucks are not. A goalie in full gear, man, he'd be outweighing that puck by a factor of about 600. So even the fastest slap shot has less momentum than a 10-year-old skating along at about a mile an hour. See what I'm saying? So hockey players can brace pretty hard against the ice. A player skating at full speed can stop in the space of a few meters, which means the force they're exerting on the ice is fairly substantial. It also suggests that if you started to slowly rotate a hockey rink, it could tilt up to 50 degrees before all the players would slide to one end. Uh... You know, clearly experiments needed to confirm this. But from estimates of collision speeds and hockey videos and from some guidance from a hockey player, I know I estimated that the 165-gram puck would have to be moving somewhere between Mach 2 and Mach 8 to knock the goalie backward into the goal. Faster if the goalie is bracing against the hit and slower if the puck hits at an upward angle. Now, firing an object at Mach 8 is not in itself very hard. One of the best methods for doing so is the aforementioned hypersonic gas gun, which at its core is the same mechanism a BB gun uses to fire BBs. But a hockey puck moving at Mach 8 would have a lot of problems, starting with the fact that the air ahead of the puck would be compressed and heated very rapidly. It wouldn't be going fast enough to ionize the air and leave a glowing trail like a meteor, but the surface of the puck would start to melt. So the air resistance would slow the puck down very quickly so that a puck going at Mach 8 when it leaves the launcher might be going a fraction of that when it arrives at the goal. And even at Mach 8, a puck probably wouldn't pass through the goalie's body. Instead, it would burst apart on impact with the power of a large firecracker. So, if you're like me, when you first saw this question, you might not imagine the puck leaving a cartoon-style hockey puck-shaped hole, but that's because our intuitions are shaky about how materials react at very high speed. Instead, a different mental picture might be more accurate. Imagine throwing a ripe tomato as hard as you can at a cake, because that's about what would happen. Thanks. I'm, I think I'm done talking. Um, shout outs to our official sponsor, Hooks, Rubs, and Spices. If you go to Etsy.com and type in Hooks, Rubs, and Spices, you get 10% off your order, off of all orders over $6, which, you know, you're probably not going to find too much on there for under $6. Um, also, go to VapePanda.com to where you can get 25% 
off your vape juice purchases. That's only on the juices. Um, I don't think you get that much of a discount on the apparel, which is cool as fuck. And um, I think you probably get 15 or 10 percent off on apparel. But the juice, the vape product, you get 25 percent off. Also, go to Lemur, the Lemur app. Download it on your iOS device and you can sign up for the beta on Android. And um, it's a more personable side uh, to, you know, the random rambles of Rob experience. I talk about more behind the scenes stuff on uh, Lemur. And um, just general thoughts as I drive into work in the morning or I'm taking long road trips. I just kind of turn the Lemur app on and I ramble, you know, Um, not as long as this show It's probably about like 30 minutes. So you get 30 minutes of uh, other content. Uh, Also, you can find me on Twitter at it's B Rob. That's I-T-S-B-R-O-B. If you want to talk professional wrestling and any other general shenanigans, that's the place you do it. You can follow the show on Twitter at 3R Show. So that's 3 R and the word show. So updates for the show and everything like that. You can go to randomrobcast.com to where you can find that is not <laughs> totally up to date, but it's not totally under date. But you can um, find different ways to help support the show like Glenn Abbott. Brandon McIntyre and King Ajar, who you just heard on the show. Um, there's Patreon links to where you can um, become a patron like the three gentlemen that I just mentioned through Podbean. There's Amazon links. You can save that link to your homepage or your favorites bar. And every time you go to Amazon and you buy something, you don't pay extra. I get a little kickback. I have merchandise that if you have any merchandise ideas for the show that I can uh, commission you for. I'm down for that because I need to update my shit. But you can buy T-shirts and everything that I do have up there currently. And um, there's all kind of other things. Just go to randomrobcast.com and look around. You can find some way to help the show. Hit the Amazon wish list. You can give me some equipment that may work for my camera because I just bought a whole cage and rigging system that I was just telling you about that didn't fit my camera. Now I got to send that motherfucker back to Amazon and get the right shit so it can fit my camera. <laughs> the woes of trying to expand into another medium. And... um. As always, you can find me on Instagram, walking the hollowed halls of Walmart. And um, hopefully I'll get you some cool Walmart footage here pretty soon. So that's it. I hope you enjoyed the show and uh, I'll see you next time. Your face is coming straight to your ears A podcast network that's changing gears Bringing fresh funky pods with a fresh funky beat A family of pods that are bringing the heat There ain't no stopping us Keep coming back to us Sick ass pods that'll make you hush www.hushyourface www.hushyourface www.hushyourface.com